Do you have any idea how much time we lose per year because we forget things? It's 40 days. 40 full days. More than a month. That's how ineffective average memory is. Would you like not to suffer when learning something? Not having to sit for hours trying to remember something? Not ruining a conversation because you forgot what you were going to say? Not messing things up because you forgot to do something? We have a solution for you. Let's begin. Well, hello guys, this week's summary is the challenges of memory, or well, the name in English is actually Moonwalking with Einstein by Joshua Fowler. And wow, what an amazing book. Hope you like it. Every day seems that there are more things to remember. More names, more passwords, more dates, more, more information, more everything. Has it not happened to you that maybe you read a book and hours later you have no idea what was it about? Wouldn't having a good or better memory implicate not only that you know more about the world, but also about yourself? Well, the thing is, it, it isn't hard to just memorize stuff, right? We also have trouble learning in itself. According to the opinion of various experts in the field of memory, the problem starts in schools. Schools like put a copious amount of information in the heads of its alumni, but they don't teach them how to retain that information. They never do, they never have, and probably they won't. And while the activity of memorizing has received very harsh critics for considering itself like a form, a very mechanical form of retaining data only for the, the necessary time to prove that you know something like within that week or something like that, maybe just to pass the test, right? But you know what's the truth? The bad thing is not memorizing. What has corrupted like Western education is the boring, lame tradition of learning things through endless, boring, forced repetition. The brain is like a muscle, and exercising your memory is like a way of going to the gym for your brain. With time, just like any other form of training, your brain will be more capable, more fast, and more agile. And well, Let's go to the first insight of the book, and it is the Baker-Baker paradox. The paradox is as follows. An investigator shows two people the same photograph of a face. One, it tells to one of the people that it is a baker, that the person is a baker, one that bakes bread, things like that, right? And it tells the other person that that person's last name is Baker. Well, some days go by and then the investigator shows, the, shows those two people the same picture and he asks them what word did, they, did he give to them. It is way more likely that the person to whom the profession was given will remember, but the person who was given the last name won't remember. Why? A same picture, the same word, a different memory. 
When somebody hears that the man in the picture is a baker, said fact is incorporated to your brain by like forming an intricate like lace of ideas in your head that mean baker he makes bread he carries a hat he smells good when he arrives home from work he has a shop i'm hungry i want to eat something like that when the last name is baker on the other hand it is only associated with the memory of the person's face that's not a really good connection is it it is a very fragile uh, like link that you were given and, it in, and in case that link breaks the last name will be lost irremediably in the infraworld of lost memories but when the link is made by the baker like the profession baker it is way stronger because for example every time that you go past a bakery or by the bread section in the supermarket or something like that you re-establish the connection to that memory without time we wouldn't need memory but without memory would time exist I mean, not time in the way that physicists talk about time, the fourth dimension, the independent variable, etc. No, not that kind of time. Just the passing of time as we, as humans, continually experimented. For example, people that suffer from Alzheimer's disease, when you ask them their age, they will respond that they are actually way younger than they really are, right? Because they forgot that they, I don't know, that they had this birthday last year or something like that. They forgot that time is still going on. They, stay, they stayed stuck in a certain era, in a certain time. And isn't it true that when we have fun, it seems like time flies by? There's a theory that says that the more memories that we have, the slower time seems to go. And while our subjective experience of time is incredibly variable, we all know that days go by and they can look like weeks, maybe like months or maybe like years, and it could happen the same the other way around, maybe a month, for like a day, maybe a year went by like this. I mean, it can happen like, like really relative to what we're living and things like that. Our life is structured by our memories of something happening, of a happening, of an event or something like that. For example, some year I went to travel to, I don't know, Europe. And at that time I was in my 30s. That month I moved around. At that time I went to that incredible party, remember? The time when I was 30, this happened. Things like that. We remember events and we situate those events through time in relationship to other events. We make a thread of events. And that we call time, our appreciation of time. We accumulate experiences and we make that thread more and more dense with our temporal experiences. We accumulate this data and every day we in 
integrate them to our network. Now, moving on to how memory works. The general idea of the techniques for memory is converting boring stuff into something we can remember. Something so colorful, so exciting, so different from everything else we see that we can't forget it. That is where elaborate codification gets into the picture. To understand this, you need to know there are two types of memory, natural memory and artificial memory. Natural memory is the equipment that you're born with, let's say. And artificial memory, it is the programs that you execute in that equipment. Artificial memory counts of two basic elements, images and places. Images represent the content of what you wish to remember. Places or loci are the sites where you um, storage those images. The idea is to create um, a space in your mind, a place that you know really well, a place that you can visualize really easily and populate that imaginary place of images that represent something that you want to remember. This technique is most popularly known as memory palace. The basic idea is that it helps you remember images that you visualize really well and that they cause a great impression on you. The more something calls your attention, the more memorable it will be. You can combine images of what you want to remember with other elements, like fun stuff. For example, in the book, there is an example that the image, the thing that we want to remember is fresh cheese. And well, how can you remember fresh, fresh cheese? I mean, it's not really fun, is it? But well, thing is, they make the image of a pool full of cheese fresh cheese like a pool full of that and a model swimming there i mean that's memorable right fresh cheese wasn't memorable but now the pool full of cheese is memorable if it's not memorable make it memorable you can add details to that and the more details you add to your image, it will be, you will have to make a greater mental effort to give that detail. And that actually creates more connections in your brain. The question of how to memorize a text or a speech or, some, or something like that has taken actually a lot of years. Disconcerting like mental athletes like this long pieces of text, poems, books, things like that are way harder to remember. And while the first investigations, books, I mean, I don't know, written count that the people have like wondered about this subject. Well, first of all, they describe two types of memory, memory rerum and memory verborum, memory for things and the memory for words. There have been even ancient Romans who detested memory for words because they thought it was inefficient and it required mental palaces that were too massive, which would make them unstable. If 
one word is lost of the text you want to remember, right? Let's say it's a poem. The whole meaning, the whole structure is gone. I mean, it's all ruined. Your whole work was for nothing. Maybe that's why they hated it. Maybe that's why they said it was inefficient because you screw up one little detail, one dot, one comma, anything, and it's ruined. Another Roman academic, Cicero, suggested that you should remember an image instead of words for every important part that you wanted to portray and situation in one of those locus. And well, transforming verbal memory into memory of things. That's the first point we said. The brain remembers better repeated stuff, rhythm, something that has rhyme, something that has structure. And above all, it can visualize really easily. Our internal memory is associative. It is not linear. It is not precise knowing where it is stored a memory so concrete as to localize it. It simply shows up or it doesn't when you need it. And well, due to that dense network that interconnects our memories, we can move on from one memory to another one really fast. When you want to memorize, I don't know, maybe a long series of numbers like a hundred thousand digits of pi, most mental athletes utilize a more complex technique. This technique is known by the Worldwide Brain Club as Person Action Object or POW. POW system says that for each number of two digits, like from 00 to 99, you have to represent that digit by one image, one image. And this unique image has to be a person that exerts a certain action upon an object. The number could be 34, and it could be Frank Sinatra, a person, singing an action with a microphone, an object. You get, you get it? Person, action, object. The same thing could happen with number 13. It could be David Beckham, given like, I don't know, a kick to a ball. You see, person, action, object. The number could be 79, and it could be Superman flying with a cape. Any number of six digits, for example, 34, 13, 79, can convert itself to a new image, one sole image, combining the person from the first number with the action from the second one and the objects from the third. For example, Frank Sinatra kicking a cape. You get it? And now, given that this algorithm naturally creates very unlikely scenes, images of POW tend to be memorable. And as we said before, memorable is what you want to achieve. And well, there is one mental athlete that is extremely proficient with this technique. He is Ben Pritchamore. He does the following thing. Instead of creating one unique image of a person action object for each of a cards, in a deck of cards, Ben has 
has created a unique image for a combination of each two cards. When he sees the, I don't know, the name of hearts and is following by the ace of diamonds. That is one unique image he creates. When he sees the ace of diamonds followed by the name of hearts, that is another unique image he creates. Do you have any idea how many images is that? It is the equivalent of multiplying 52 times 52, which means 2704 possible combinations of two cards, for which Ben has an image pre-memorized, previously memorized, previously ingenious. And this situates like three images in each of his loci, which means he is capable of condensing a whole deck in just nine places and 27 deck of cards, which is actually the top amount he has like managed to memorize in just one hour in only 234 places. Do you think you could memorize that? 27 decks of cards, which are not like in order, like really pretty and so on. No, they are messy deck of cards. He has memorized 27 deck of cards in one hour. Do you know what's that? It's impossible. But well, let's go back to something that is really important. Attention. Attention is a requirement for memorization. For example, when we forget the name of somebody we just met, it is probably because we weren't paying attention and we were thinking instead of his name or her name, we were thinking about what we were going to say. We weren't paying attention, we were thinking of something else. The, when some information goes in through one ear and comes out the other ear, it is often because it, is, it has nothing to hold on to. You know the famous expression, goes in one ear, goes out the other, because nothing held it inside. And well, now let's move on to the really interesting part of the book, the experience of the author. Joshua Fowler decided to assist the National Memory Championship of the United States. The author, Joshua Fowler, went to this championship, I mean, a year before the actual great experience I'm about to tell you, to like make an article about it. Just like that, he was a journalist. He was just there and he just saw everything that these mental athletes did. And well, you know what? He got inspired. He wanted to test as an experiment at first if by using these memory techniques that the athletes were using and training like they did, if his own memory could improve just like for the sake of it. So he started interviewing some Europeans which are actually way better mental athletes than the Americans in this field. And well, he just became their friend, some of them. And well, also little by little, he started to obsess with these techniques and with practicing. Also, he was looking for more and more people that had these memory gifts or that were related, related to this world of competitions. 
In his searches, he not only found mental athletes, he also found like wise prodigies. This means like a genius that was born a genius, that he, maybe that person didn't need any technique to remember or to make any mental prowess. These wise prodigies he found are the most popular in the world and they are Daniel Tammet and Kim Peek. Daniel Tammet actually has a movie made about his life and well based about the experience of when Joshua Fowler met him he is a really nice person and Kim Peek is also like he has the best memory in the world actually um, but he's not a normal person in the sense that he looks like somebody that has dementia instead of somebody that just has a good memory and well every time the author wanted to know more and train more and spend that more time like doing these techniques and knowing people he he liked it he really got to like it and progressively he became like a really close friends with one european one mental athlete right and he personally trained him so that he could go on to compete in the national championship of the united states and well when the day of the competition came forward had many strikes of good luck he broke the national record for memorizing a deck of cards he memorized the deck of cards in just 40 seconds that was a new record in the united states in 2010 and well also the first round he moved on really well because somebody like was really nervous seemed like it and they couldn't remember what they were supposed to remember i think it was a poem i don't know and well um, well, throughout the contest, he moved on from round to round until he got to the finale and he won by another strike of luck. His adversary could not remember not even the fifth card of two decks of cards. I mean, that is so sad. Just He just memorized four cards. I mean, it looks like he didn't even try. And well... What's really sad about the book, though, is that the author says that even after going through all of this competition, this research, this training and everything, he said that his memory had not improved in itself. His internal memory, I mean the one that is used for like normal life, didn't improve, it was the same as before, because for example, after the contest, right, and all of that, he went out to like with friends to have dinner or something like that and he went out with his car thing is he came back home without his car and he couldn't remember he had gone out with his car and he couldn't remember where he left it parked he had to come back in the taxi and, not, and he didn't know where his car was on the next day i mean with all of this exercise these techniques and everything he didn't improve what he wanted to improve, you get what I mean? So the question is, why should we even try it, all, try it at all to improve on working our memory? But well, the reason is simple. 
Our way of perceiving the world and of acting on it is a product of how and what we remember. We are not more than a bunch of like costumes conformated by our memory. We are made of our memory. Our, our memory makes the person that we are. Our capacity to like find humor in the world, to relate some notions that were that didn't have any relationship before, of creating new ideas, of sharing a common culture, all of these acts that are fundamentally human depend on memory. And well, guys, that is it. I hope you really liked it. This was one of my favorite books so far, I must say. And well, see you next week. I hope you have a good day.